Now, if there's one thing the ag tech industry has been really successful at over the past decade, it's collecting data. But making that leap from hindsight to insight and foresight at scale is a hard problem to solve. Advancements in artificial intelligence, though, give me hope. The biggest challenge in our AI today, AI world is you can train a model in a small region and it may work. But the moment you take that model to the neighboring state or neighboring district, it fails. Now, here we had an opportunity that we have trillions of data from these 92 countries, different climatic conditions, 500 crops, 10,000 varieties. We are able to build general AI capability with the largest knowledge graph and train these models so that they can be scaled. That's Cropin co-founder and CEO Krishna Kumar. They've been providing digital tools to farmers and enterprise companies for over 12 years. They've amassed data and built AI models, and now they've launched agriculture's first intelligent cloud platform. The massive data sets which we have, no government, no enterprise, or no startup has that kind of a data set. Now, what does it mean? That means you are in a best position and also feel obligation to build this you know, knowledge graph, which is going to power the future of the future innovation in agriculture. Data, AI, and what the heck is a knowledge graph on today's Future of Agriculture podcast. Hello, Ag Nerds. Thanks so much for joining me for the final episode of 2022. My name is Tim Hamrich, and every week you and I get to hear from the farmers, founders, innovators, and investors shaping the future of the ag industry. Today's episode and every episode this quarter is made possible thanks to the support of our quarterly presenting sponsor, Sound Agriculture. This is really a great time to talk about Sound's source product because just about everywhere you look, fertilizer prices are high, and in some cases, availability itself is a problem. So finding a better source of crop nutrients going forward is on top of a lot of people's minds. Well, believe it or not, that nutrient source might just be your soil. Source from Sound Agriculture unlocks more of the nutrients already in your fields so you can apply less fertilizer while getting the yield you're counting on. Source is a foliar applied biochemistry that activates soil microbes to unlock more nitrogen and phosphorus. It works with the soil you've already got and the equipment you already use to wake up the soil. So kind of like caffeine for microbes, if you will. Visit sound.ag to learn more. That's sound.ag. And thank you once again to Sound Agriculture for supporting the Future of Agriculture podcast. Okay, now back to today's episode with Krishna Kumar of Crop In. Krishna shared with me Crop In's 12-year journey in the ag tech world, which I think in a lot of ways is representative of ag tech's journey as an industry. Uh, they started by building applications for farmers and companies with a vested interest in ag supply chains, and from scaling their digital solutions to now 500 crops and 10,000 varieties in 92 countries, uh, they realized they were capturing a lot of data and built what they call their data hub. They also started to build artificial intelligence models, which now exist for 22 commodities in 13 countries. Krishna gives some examples of the wide range of use cases for these AI models. And now, as you might have heard in recent months, CropIn is entering the next phase of their 12-year-old company. A few months ago, they announced the launch of a cloud platform with integrated apps. In short, CropIn wants to make it easier for companies to build their own models by providing the data and infrastructure needed, which Krishna says is roughly 80% of the challenge. And like a lot of other people lately, I've been playing around with this OpenAI ChatGPT platform. It's really opened my eyes to what's coming. Uh, nothing that I've done on there has been super groundbreaking, uh, but 
it really shows the power of being able to pull together data sets from all sorts of different places into specific and optimal answers in a user-friendly way. And I have no doubt that's the type of thing we will see in ag tech as well. And companies like CropIn are out there doing interesting work to that end. Uh, one aspect of this story is CropIn's ambition to build a knowledge graph for agriculture. Admittedly, this is a term that I was not familiar with a year ago, uh, but I've learned about knowledge graphs just this past year from reading Rishi Peth's tremendous newsletter, Software is Feeding the World. He explains the concept in his 116th edition back in September. I'm going to link to that in the show notes, and I highly, highly recommend that you not only read that to better understand knowledge graphs, but you become a regular subscriber to his content because it is always tremendous and very in-depth. Uh, he revisited it again in his 2022 recap edition, which is 126. So I think that was the last one if you're hearing this soon after it comes out. So I think if you subscribe, you'll probably see that one right at the top. Uh, I thought I'd just read his excerpt that he included in both editions. Uh, so here are Rishi's words about knowledge graphs. Rishi says, how can knowledge graphs work in agriculture? Knowledge graphs can incorporate both structured, for example, coming from a spreadsheet or a precision agriculture equipment, and unstructured data, or like a Twitter feed, images, YouTube video, bulletin board information, books, etc. Knowledge graphs can be successful and valuable if they can uncover new insights by automatically incorporating new data sources, understanding the context, finding new connections, and continuously evolving and learning. Building a data set of crops and varieties is a necessary and an early step to building a valuable knowledge graph for agriculture. It's an extremely hard challenge to go from data to context to connections to new and surprising insights using knowledge graphs. It will take some unknown, aka long, amount of time. That's the end of Rishi's quote there. I thought that was a really good context for today's conversation. So with that in mind, here's my conversation with Krishna Kumar, co-founder and chief executive officer at CropIn, which considers themselves an ag tech pioneer building the first global intelligent agriculture cloud. Krishna founded CropIn in 2010, long before the terms agritech and ag tech became fashionable or were widely understood or sought after by investors. And over the last 12 years, he's been pioneering the development and adoption of digital technologies and predictive intelligence to transform the agriculture ecosystem through their enterprise customers. Read, they work with food companies and other people working in the ag supply chain so they could pass the technology along to their farmer and give them more insight in the supply chain. That's one of the ways they've scaled so large so quickly. Anyway, I'll drop you into the conversation here where Krishna is talking about how the success of their digital applications eventually led to AI capabilities. We saw the surge of trillions of data sets, which came on the platform. Of these 500 crops, 10,000 varieties from 92 countries, that means you got a breadth and the depth in the data. Because you are talking about 10,000 varieties, every variety, you know, have a very different characteristic in different parts of the world. Some are short duration, some are, you know, the, the length is very high or the roots are very heavy. So all the incidents, scouting, observation, images, Right? So we built this capability to get different kind of a data on the platform. And then how do you keep that data so that you can use it to build intelligence on top of it? Right? So when we got this data very quickly and very slowly, you know, and very minimum investment we did on the crop in AI lab, we got two, three people and said, okay, here's the data sets, which is the world largest data sets today from the scale point of view. What we can do about this? Right? Can you learn from this and make our customer more you know, data-driven or 
provide them more intelligence or predictive and prescriptive intelligence on those farms. And that's the journey of cropping AI lab, right? And we have taken from there six to seven years to build 22 different models, which are highly, very highly accurate and consistent in the delivery. And, I, and I'm using the word consistent because the biggest challenge in our AI, today AI world is you can train a model in a small region and it may work. But the moment you take that model to the neighboring state or neighboring district, it fails because it has not seen the representation. Now, here we had an opportunity that we have trillions of data from these 92 countries, different climatic conditions, 500 crops, 10,000 varieties. We are able to build general AI capability with the largest knowledge graph, which we were sitting uh, at the bottom, and train these models so that they can be scaled, uh, use transfer learning, and then you know, scale this model very, very quickly to one country to another country, one crop to another crop, and deploy this, right? And still having the same efficacy of the model, the consistency and the results are not distorted when you're deploying wheat in India versus wheat in Nigeria versus Canada, right? And that we were able to demonstrate in, you know, last six years. And we failed. We failed multiple times and we learned and we realized that this is the capability which you are building. It's not just AI models. There is an earth observation where you have to build the capability. Then you have agri-science, crop science, which you have to build another set of capability. And then there is a AI research, which all has to come together. And then you build with context. The AI, which gives you a, you know, you, you throw a result which has a context of that crop, that location, that behavior, and then give you the result, right? And today we have rolled out our AI model commercially in 13 countries on 32 different commodities, which is consumed by our enterprise client at the scale, right? And, and we have computed around 0.2 billion hectare of intelligence for our customers, which we commercially, they're consuming it. I think from the scale point of view, this is a massive scale we compute. And uh, I don't think anybody at this stage is doing that kind of uh, spread and breadth in their business and rolling out these kind of AI intelligence at this scale. Hey, could you give us an example of an outcome for the farmer, the enterprise client that, that these AI models are actually producing for them? Yeah, so I'll give you very quickly four examples, right, which will have whatever we, I, I spoke about. So currently we are predicting and we have predicted at the country scale, the wheat production in Nigeria. And this is for the Nigerian government with the intermediation of FMAN, which is a floor meal of Nigeria. They wanted to track what is the total acreage a farmer has sown this year, what is the health, what is the yield you can expect at the time of the harvest, and we have to give them a predictions, right? And we ran that model across the country. We produced the result, and that result is published on the National Statistical Bureau of that country. And that has a validation done by the government by doing the crop cutting experiments. What the yield the AI model is telling whether it is matching with the actuals or not. And they found to be very, very accurate. So the error margins were 8 to 12%. Right? And that I'm talking about country scale, but the prediction was at the 10 by 10 meter. The another example, one of the largest enterprise client, a seed manufacturing client came to us and they said, we are launching a new variety of a paddy with a certain characteristic. And it is getting launched in uh, Bangladesh and some part of India, around 10 districts of India, and we, we are trialing that. Now, here is three things that we want you to do. One, can you tell me across Bangladesh and 10 districts of India, which farm has taken paddy? So the first problem we resolve that we have to detect differentiate paddy from other crops and tell them these farms have gone for paddy. 
the second problem, which was the toughest problem was, can you tell me where is my variety growing? Because all paddy looks same. But then you have to very quickly hyper-tune the model for that particular variety, where we work with the client to get the characteristic. And we hyper-tuned, ran at the country scale, and we told them these are the farms which has gone for your variety. They went back and validated that, and it was almost 85% accuracy we found in that prediction. And then what is the causal, how it is performing against other varieties, right? So, so that's another problem. The third example I'll give you of a knowledge graph, which is uh, this powers, right? We are working with rainforest, and this is a public information as well, where we have to develop blackboard disease model for cocoa and the yield models for that. And because, you know, Africa, you don't have a lot of data and intelligence. And this blackboard was creating a lot of trouble from the quality point of view and the yield and livelihood point of view, because once it hits your farm, the fruits are no, no more of your use for building chocolates and all. And we were able to predict that disease on those farm in 15 days in advance. The model believes that in the next 15 days, this disease will hit your farm. So be watchful. And if that happens, this is how you treat it, right? So, and we worked with the rainforest. So rainforest are the guys, if you buy a Starbucks coffee, you'll see a frog on the Starbucks, right? And that's the rainforest. So they work on the sustainability bit. So that's another sustainability example uh, I wanted to bring it that how does, you know, how do you build a climate smart practices or a climate smart agriculture or reduce the risk, right? Because of this changing climate and the pressure, you know, you see these diseases popping up invariably in your farm. So how do you model that? So we talked about the food security of Nigeria, where they wanted to crack wheat and there's a, you know, wheat eating nation, bread eating nation. We talked about you know, going deep into the variety. And then we talked about the climate smart. How do you work on the sustainability better, right? And the, we do a lot of programs with World Banks and all these guys where either they are climate smart adaptation or the livelihood program for the smallholders or, you know, helping farmers to adopt right practices at the right time because of the changing climate. Right? So these programs we do. The third I, I wanted to emphasize was we took this model and we, today it's running in Brazil and U.S where on one of the last seed enterprise clients, we are predicting, how do you optimize water on your farm? Because water is one of the scarce resources. So how much water is needed in next one week? We predict that basis, the model which we have built. And that same model is deployed on a sweet corn farm and hyper-tuned for LATAM. And the same model is right now working on cucumber farm in the US and hyper-tune for the cucumber. You don't have to build every time a model. You have the, the model and then you hyper-tune for those location varieties and deploy very, very quickly with your customers. We are predicting yield. The yield model is almost same model, which is predicting yield in both the different crops. We are giving them water stress. We are giving them nitrogen uptake and the prediction of the yield, right? So that is creating a lot of value for the customer because now you can predict the disease, you can optimize the water, and all these assets which you are running on, a model as an asset you are running on those farms is also giving you a sustainability score for yourself, right? So if you are optimizing water, that's a step towards your sustainability. If you are able to predict disease and you are modeling your climate, climate side of the risk. So these are some of the examples uh, I wanted to bring from the real world. And in order to get to these accuracies, right, the question will be, you know, uh, do you have the world best data scientist in your company and how you are different? What is making it so different that you are saying that you, are, you have got a superior models than whatever exists in, uh, in this plant, right? 
And I always say that this is not about the data scientists and AI researchers. It's about the kind of data you have, the spread and breadth right, in your data sets. Second, the context, the agri-science knowledge, earth observation knowledge. And then third is the AI researchers. Right? So you know, if you hire a good AI modelers, the 30% work is building the AI models and architectures. But the 70% work is creating that data sets, which is going to give you that result. And to give you an example, we have to build our own architecture, which will work in this agriculture stack. You can't just take a model which is working in some other healthcare or some uh, inventory prediction models and deploy here. So we have to build our own IP algorithms. We have to build our own IP you know, uh, frameworks, which is adapted towards the agriculture. And we have to solve for many of the data issues. For example, how do you counter the cloud? How do you detect cloud? How do you detect the haze, hazy cloud? And then how do you detect the shadow of this cloud? Because that is interfering with your accuracy. So we've built our own models, which is very, very superior today, whatever exists in the world, which people are using for modeling. So there are you know, three versions of the models and uh, you know, uh, released by the very, very reputed firm. We also use that, but we failed many times. But then we decided to build our own because we can't live with 65% accuracy in detecting those clouds and because that is giving you a lot of errors. So we went and built our own deep learning models to detect that and then fill the, the gap in the data. That is how do you reconstruct that image below that cloud? And we have to really work on these data sets to get to the accuracy where we are today, right? And, and that's where most of the people tend to invest into AI capability, but I think that's where we learned very hard way that it's not just beating out the model, it's more about building a right server data or input for your models, right? So I think that's, that's what we learned in the last six, seven years, and uh, we excel in that direction. Cool. Well, you, you talked earlier about the fact that sustainability has certainly come to a lot of the forefront of the minds of a lot of the companies that you work with. You know, do you see this this push toward climate smart agriculture as being a big catalyst for digital adoption in the industry? Yes. See, this is something which is very, very real. Building the food security for this planet is a high on radar for everyone. And the climate change, if there is a one degree change in the temperature, if the rises, the plant temperature increases, the major food crop will reduce the yield capacity by 15 to 25%. Now, by 2050, we want to double the production. This is whole contradictory, right? So how do we feed the people with all these headwinds which we have? The pressure of the climate, changing temperatures, and the heavy rainfalls. How do you model that? Right? So the climate adaptation in agriculture, mostly in a smallholder, is a big push. And how do you, how do you really rope in those smallholders where they have actionable insights? So you're not telling them the temperature has gone from 40 degree to 42 degrees Celsius, but actually saying what it means for your crop and what should be your action, right? And you have to go that simple in their language. So I see a lot of push from many other development agencies and the government where they want to build this resilience in, from the food security point of view. And they're building various different kinds of programs. For example, we are working with ADPC, which is Asia Disaster Management Division in this region. And they wanted us to run climate smart program with the Sri Lanka and the Bangladesh farmer. And we ran it at the scale for them. How should they adopt practices with a changing climate? We got the program from GEF, Jeff, to run the similar program in Africa. 
and this was announced in COP, I think, 2022, uh, last year. And it was announced that Propin will be rolling out these programs in this country. So I think the problem is real. Problem is massive. And then how do you build an ability to touch base 580 million farmers, which is spread across all these countries, right? So you need technology and platform to reach out on one click that, you know, what he should be doing basis, what crop he has chosen and which location he is located right now. What are the risks on his farm and how should he mitigate that? And I think that, that, that answered the technology need to translate in a simple manner so that we understand and take that action. You, you had mentioned that in the past where a lot of AI models had just been sort of limited is the fact that they may work in one geography or on one variety, but then you move them to the next you know, geography or variety over and they, they don't work anymore. So for you, how do you know when it's time to develop a new model for that new context versus just build a model that is adaptive, which it sounds like is more what you've done? Yeah, so this is like a continuous improvement to your model, right? So when we train our models, we take all the data and we train the model. But then there's a, you build a transfer learning capabilities and you also build a less hungry data model. For example, if you have trained your data on, let's say, wheat for 13, 14 countries, where you're going to a new country where you have a, no data or very less data, can you predict that country as well with the minimum data set? Because you have already shown the model of, you know, a different kind of, all kind of a representation of a wheat. I'll make it very simple for you. So let's say if you have to build a computer vision for uh, detecting a cat, right? And your model is very, uh, trained the model of the cat pictures and it did that. And then suddenly you sh showed him a dog and he says, you know what? It has got tail, it has got ears and is it a cat? And then you say, no, no, this is a dog. Learn about this also. And suddenly you put a hat on the cat and it will get confused. Right, so how well you are, your model has seen different vagaries of that same crop is determined what is the accuracy. And as you rightly said, if you hit a new variety or a new region, I can't go and build a new model. I'll take the same model, feed in a very small data set, and we should be able to give you a consistent result. Right? And that's the new cutting edge you know, investments everybody's making. How do you transfer learn? And how do you make a general AI capability? And how do you make the model less data? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned knowledge graphs. So uh, do you use the term knowledge graph and model interchangeably in an AI context? Or are those two different things? Knowledge graph is uh, key to it. And I, I think it's a long journey. It's not an easy thing to build. The massive data sets which we have over our 13 years, I think, no government, no enterprise, or no startup has that kind of a data set. Now, what does it mean? That means you are in a best position and also feel obligation to build this you know, knowledge graph, which is going to power the future of the future innovation in agriculture. And I was, having, I was in the US two days back and I was discussing with various stakeholders. What does it mean? How much investments is required? How much time it requires to build that? And I think it's going to be a long journey. Today, you know, we, we are powering our disease modeling capability on this knowledge graph. But I still believe we have to travel five more years, five to six years to, you know, actually map the graph of the crops. So of 500 crops, 10,000 varieties, how do, you, how do you power that whole modeling capability with this knowledge? And we are using this bits and pieces to power our model, but then we want to build this knowledge graph for the future 
and this will be like a you know without intel chips you can't power your computer i think this becomes very very essential for the future innovations and somebody asked me if you have to invest where you'll invest if you get an opportunity to invest i said the only thing based on like my 13 years of knowledge and experience if i have to make one bet i'll bet make that bet on the knowledge graph and and for somebody who's who's not grasping what a knowledge graph is, can you just explain the basics of that? Yeah, so if you look at, there is a lot of relationship between a farm and all the, you know, all the other variables. For example, if I have a farm of a corn in, let's say, uh, Nebraska, right? But what happens to that farm has a lot of correlation with the weather, um, the climate around that. Uh, the neighboring farms, the past crop which has happened on that farm, right? And the disease which is happening in that region. And all this relationship, I don't think anybody has it. That how does crop A and variety A, so, you know, for example, a, a corn may have 2,000 varieties. Now, what is the relationship of that variety with these neighboring farms and the neighboring ecosystem, the way it is behaving right now? And what is this past relationship? And you know, that's the graph system. And that gives the context to the model, whether this variety is a short duration, long duration, needs more water, less water, susceptible to X, uh, this kind of a disease in this region, other kind of a disease in other region, right? So bringing all this intelligence together, this becomes like a crystal ball, right? So you ask any question and it returns the right answer. And a good example could be the Google search engine. I think they mastered the art of the graph, right? And when you ask any question. We ask any question, you have an answer and very close to what you are looking for. And that's, that's the power of the knowledge graph will be. Yeah. Well, let's get to this kind of fourth phase in the development here, the, the crop in cloud. So, so it sets some context there about how that came to be. So, you know, if you look at crop in cloud, this is a expression of our 13 years, right? All the different clients we work with, different crops, different region, different problem statement. And what we realized that this industry can't work on the point solutions, right? It will require a capability, like you have a retail cloud, you have a healthcare cloud where the lot of basic problem has been solved. Uh, there is application layer, there is a data layer, there is a model building capabilities. And everybody is coming with new set of problems. So, you know, a few years back, sustainability was not on the big of the radar, right? But now sustainability has become much, and carbon has become a new, Thing. Now, do you need to start a new company to solve for the carbon or do you want to give ability to somebody to build like on the cloud? If there's a new problem coming up, here's the system where you can you know, extend this solution. So we said in last 13 years, we built a lot of applications to solve for the digitization or digitalization of this industry. Then we solve for the data hub because we wanted to build the model. So we brought the data hub, we build models and for the data hub and the models, we were the internal consumers. We said, if we can bring this together with a partnership with our cloud provider, it becomes a cloud. Because now that you have application layer, which is a front end, then you have got the data layer, and then you, you have built a lot of models which you have to build to solve your problem. And there is a learning curve, right? So we have spent seven years building model data sets, which how to prepare that data set and clean contextualized data to even start building a model where you spend 70% of your time. So we said, if we can bring this together, that's the natural extension of crop in. 
and we can be the first to build an industry cloud for intelligent agriculture and offer to the industry to do more on more on this platform. For example, they can use the app layer, or they say, oh, you know what, I have app layer, I want to use your data intelligence layer, or I want to use all three, or I want to build a new application on top of what you have, or I want to build my own model, or I want to bring my additional data which is sitting in some R&D division, and I want to marry that with the farm operation data, right? Can you open a Jupyter notebook and write some queries and uh, algorithms and get a result immediately out of that, right? So we are giving more capability to the industry to you know, wait on top of it, while we will keep solving for the fundamentals and the you know some of the leading challenges alongside with the industry. But we also want to help their you know CIOs and CTOs to break the data silos within the organization. And answer is the cloud. Uh, we want to give ability to their data engineers and data scientists to come and build models because it's your data. And then you need a pipeline of main contextual pipeline which you want to build models so you don't have to spend on building that data, clean data set. Right? So we will help you to remove the cloud, fill the gap. Right? So, and those are use our LULC models or enhanced models and build a new model and you know, create a version of it and that's your IP. Right? So how do we give more ability to industry to innovate on our platform? And that was an idea uh, we discussed and we said, okay, this is what ability this industry need to fast pace the innovation here. The preparation was happening for the last one year and we launched it two months back in a grand way. And I think we are getting a lot of queries from the very, very large enterprises that we want to understand more. What, what is the possibility with this? And a very, very good response on this. And so for the, those enterprise clients, then they're basically able to customize the offering to exactly what they want by building their own tool in the cropping cloud, is that right? They can build their own tools as well. They can extend the solution. For example, let's say somebody wants to build a marketplace on top of our platform. They can build that because they have all the farm assets sitting on, on our platform. They know exactly which varieties are growing, when it is the process, and they can put it in the marketplace. This I'm giving an example, right? So, or they want to build some tools for their own customers or compliances, they can build that, or they can ask us to build, and if it is in our roadmap, we'll build it, or we'll say, why don't you build it by a system integrator? So it opens up a massive opportunity for them, for the industry as well, that how do we rope in more of the players and SI guys and the you know, industry to innovate more on this? So basically, whatever we learned on the journey, we want to give it back on the cloud so that people can take leverage of that. Hmm. And and what's the next big uh, barrier or milestone that you know that you're looking at? So you, you've got this cloud launched, and you're onboarding you know uh, people who who want to use the cloud to build on top of you know w- what's next uh, for you? What's top of mind? I think uh, uh, we have focused on three uh, different areas where uh, we we want to really invest. One is the you know expansion. So we are very uh, expanding very, very fast international market. So as I mentioned today, we, we have operation in 92 countries, including US, LATAM, while we started with India. And uh, so how do we expand fast, go deep with our customers, right? So do more with what you're doing with the current customers. The second is how do we, you know, keep building on top of Crop and AI Lab, right? How does Crop and AI Lab partner more with the industry and solve some of the big rocks for them? And we are making investments. So one of the example is Knowledge Graph, uh, where we are investing big time. And the third is the platform in the whole cloud platform, right? So how do we build more capabilities when we engage with this customer on the cloud? They have a more ask 
And then how do you build more tools and capabilities so that we can service this at the last scale, right? So, so these are three capabilities where we'll be investing in the next two to three years. All right, that's it for today's episode. Thank you so much to Krishna Kumar for being on the show. Uh, as you might be able to tell, my understanding of a lot of this is still pretty surface level, but I do believe that artificial intelligence will power this next wave of exciting companies and solutions in ag tech. I've always used this podcast as a way to understand things that I don't fully understand, and hopefully you benefit from that as well. So you're going to hear about this early and probably often in 2023 as I go out there and try to find as many experts and interesting stories as possible to learn more about artificial intelligence and its applications in real life for farmers and for the ag industry. What would you like to see more of from the show in 2023 other than AI? I'd love to hear from you via email, tim at aggrad.com or Twitter or LinkedIn. I always want to know kind of what are your questions? What are you wrestling with? What's on your mind for the future of agriculture? I don't need an intro to your boss to be a guest on the show. I get lots of requests like that. Uh, if we do find a good topic, that would be a great fit. You and I can work on the right guest for that topic together. Uh, one more big thank you to Sound Agriculture for their support this past quarter, and thank you for your time and your attention. I wish you the very best in the new year, and I'll be back next week with another story of ag innovation. Ag.